the story of two gardens, the Garden of Eden. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made earth and heaven. Now no shrub of the field was yet in the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted, for the Lord God had not sent rain upon the earth. And there was no man to cultivate the ground, but a mist used to rise from the earth and water the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food, the tree of life, also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And in the garden God spoke with Adam. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. A simple command, surely not too hard to keep when there was such an abundance of fruit everywhere. But deception can be very convincing, and Adam was deceived. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, From the tree, fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, You surely will not die, for God knows that in that day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was described to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Immediately, everything changed as death entered into a perfect world that had no death. Adam believed Satan and not God, and in so doing made Satan his master. Adam looked around the garden and saw big leaves from the fig tree, so he and Eve tried to cover their nakedness with the trees of the garden. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the garden could not hide the man and his wife. 
Then the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree, and I ate. And so the blame begins. It's the woman's fault. And really, when it comes right down to it, it's your fault, O oh God, for you gave her to me. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The consequences came quickly. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field, and on your belly you will go, and the dust you will eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. You shall bruise he shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. And then to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and you have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistle it shall grow for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground, because from it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. To dust you shall return. Death. What a terrible consequence, for de but deserving. For how could such unholiness dwell with the most holy one? Adam ate from the forbidden tree, and now, lest he also eat from the tree of life in the garden of God. The Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to cultivate the ground which he was from which he was taken. So he drove the man out, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, God stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword, which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. Toil and tears, broken relations, broken fellowship with God, pain, sickness, and death. Oh God, is there no relief? Adam, remember the promise made to you. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. <clears throat> he shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. And so the world waits, and it waits, for the promise to be fulfilled in another garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. 
It was the last supper that Jesus would ever eat with his disciples. It was the yearly Passover feast. Three years they had been together, but this Passover was different than the two before. Jesus had come into Jerusalem on a donkey with a crowd shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Now they had thought this was a treat. Jesus' disciples had thought something terrible was going to happen if they entered Jerusalem. They warned Jesus not to go there. Thomas resigned himself to go with Jesus, even though he was certain he would be killed if they ventured into the city. But instead of death, they were greeted with joyful cheers. But it didn't seem to cheer Jesus up. He cleared out the temple of all the money changers. The disciples thought for sure they'd be in for it with the Pharisees, but nothing happened. And now they sat down to enjoy their new status. King Jesus had arrived in Jerusalem, and all was right with the world. Or was it? Why did Jesus take on the servant's role and wash their feet on this night? And why did he tell them they should do likewise? Why did he speak of a betrayer in their number? Why did Judas eat, then leave? And what did he mean that he was giving them a new covenant? And what does he mean that he is going away? Therefore, when Jesus had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and the God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him immediately. Little children, I am with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus' demeanor was so serious and so sorrowful. Somehow he knew that, uh, that unexplained fear was entering the hearts of his disciples. Jesus spoke to them. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would not have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there may be you may be also, and you know the way where I am going. Do we, said Thomas? How are we supposed to know? But Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to your remembrance all that I said to you. 
peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. You heard that I said to you, I go away and I will come to you. If you love me, you would have rejoiced because I go to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Now I have told you before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe. I will not speak much more with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. But so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Get up, let us go from here. And so they left that safe upper room in Jerusalem and walked outside the city walls, across the Kidron Valley to the beautiful garden of Gethsemane, even though it was well after dark. They passed by the grapevines that grew in abundance there and remembered what Jesus said about being the true vine. He spoke of how those who would keep his commandments would abide in his love and the joy that would follow. He spoke like it was his last words to them. But how could that be? So peaceful in this beautiful garden. Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. For an hour, Jesus prayed there to his father. And when he arose to go back and pray with Peter and James and John, he found them sleeping. So you men could not keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Three times this happened. How they tried to stay awake, but it was so peaceful, and they couldn't imagine why Jesus was so overwhelmed with sorrow. This was the beautiful garden of Gethsemane, where they had rested many times before, and it was late, and they had had a big meal. Why not sleep? But suddenly, there was clamor in the quiet garden. Judas finally joined them. Where had he been? And why was this mob with clubs and swords with him? They grabbed Jesus, but Peter would have none of that. He got hold of one of the swords and took a swing at Malchus, one of the temple guard. Peter was aiming for his head, but missed and only cut off his ear. But Jesus rebuked Peter. Put your sword back into its place. For all those who take up the sword shall perish by a sword. Or do you think I cannot appeal to my father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? How then will the scriptures be fulfilled, which say 
that it must happen this way. And so they took Jesus away back into the city to stand before Caiaphas, the high priest. In the middle of the night, they had gathered the other sympathizing scribes and elders. They held an impromptu trial, an illegal trial. They had false witnesses, but they couldn't keep their story straight. It was obvious they were lying. Finally, there were two witnesses that claimed he was going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. The high priest said to him, I adjourn you by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. Never, nevertheless, I tell you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his robes and said, he has blasphemed. What further need do we have of witnesses? Behold, you have now heard the blaspheme. What do you think? They answered. He deserves death. Then they spat in his face and beat him with their fists, and the others slapped him. And Jesus was taken before Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, for only he could issue the death warrant. It seemed hopeful at first, for Pilate seemed reluctant to put Jesus to death. But after much talk and going back and forth to Herod, Pilate finally made the call and condemned Jesus to death. And as the Roman law stated for the non-citizen, it would be death on a cross after carrying his cross through the city for all to see his shame. They trudged out the city walls with Simon of Cyrene now helping and north to the desolate mount on Golgotha, the place of the skull. There they nailed Jesus to the cross and raised him up to die as they rolled dice for his robe just beneath his feet. Could man ever be more wicked than at this moment? And could God himself ever show more love for wicked man than at this moment? And as the hours of torture crept by, Jesus bore the shame, the sorrow, and the pain of all the sins of all mankind. Sin that started in the Garden of Eden is now being fully atoned for by Jesus the sacrificial lamb of God. Now from the sixth hour, darkness fell upon the land until the ninth hour. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of the soured wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so, through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. For the wages of sin is death, 
But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord.